Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this week's KLNS Rugby podcast. As a brilliant panel and myself will look back on the cool stages of the 2023-2024 Investor Champions Cup. Join me tonight. We have an excellent trio, but firstly, making a pre-Six Nations debut is Master Nun co-host and Connacht fan, Sam. Sam, how are you? Good, yeah, thanks Thanks for the offer uh, to be on the show. I apologise if I get cut off abruptly. We're a stormy, stormy Galway tonight. The wind is howling, the, the lights have flickered once or twice, but I'm, fingers crossed I make it. No bother at all. And we also have two guests coming back to represent Ulster and Leinster, respectively, from their World Cup appearances. We have Peter Lockhart and Chrissy Hawkins. So welcome back on to you guys. Thanks, Caelan. Good to be back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Delighted to be here. And before we kick off proceedings, I'd like to remind anyone who's on YouTube, you can listen wherever you get your podcasts and vice versa for audio listeners. And if you are on YouTube, you have my uh, first attempt of a kind of vlog style, as I showed Monster Pain Zombie last night, which was the start of a very wet and miserable evening. But we'll get onto that in about 20 minutes or so, because we're going to start with Pool A, which featured Connacht, with work in order of pools, Bordeaux, Leon, Saracens and the Bulls escaped from what ended up being a bit of a pool of death with Connacht, edging Bristol to fifth place following a very comprehensive win on Friday evening over the Bears. Sam, I'll start with yourself as the Connacht representative in the room. They'll be disappointed with their performances as a whole, I feel like, but what do you make of their in, in the pool stages as a, as a four-game span? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you have to look at it with a bit of disappointment. You want to get into the Champions Cup to to show what you're worth. Two years ago, we managed to get out of the pool stages and into the knockouts. The, the first time, it wasn't the straight to the quarterfinals, but it was still the first time we'd gotten to knockouts. So you, that's, you wanted to build on that. And then last year, we didn't we didn't get into the Champions Cup. But it was kind of, you looked at this pool and you went, yeah, maybe we have a bit of a shot here. You know, Bristol aren't going too well in the last year or two. Leon now looking where they are in the league. <clears throat> Bordeaux were coming to Galway, which you kind of look at as you know fr- French teams traditionally haven't travelled that strongly, especially to Connacht, because they don't tend to send their big guns at all. And then Saris was always going to be Saris, but after the first couple of games, kind of smacked back to reality, looked at the teams we played and boiled it down to, you know, we're not really at this level yet. We want to consistently get into the Champions Cup so we can build our way up to being a Champions Cup team. But I think... The cold light of day, Connacht fans will look at it and say, "Yeah, this is a step above. It's where we want to be, but we're still we're still bottom of the ladder, bottom of the rung in this. You know, we got seventh last year. We're usually in and around that kind of six, seven, eight, nine, ten sort of positions in the league, and we want to we want to be the team that gets to that kind of you know fifth to eighth, and then build on that and try and get that second to fifth, and and gradually work your way up through it. So." It was disappointing, but I think there's a lot of context to it. And I think that these games will give them a lot to work on on the training pitch. It'll show the players what's needed to step up to it. They'll take a few good things from each game outside of maybe the Bordeaux one, which was just completely horrible at the end of the day. Went into that game really optimistic because French teams don't tend to travel to Galway well at all. Across Europe, they haven't done it traveling-wise, but Bordeaux came and 
after the Bordeaux Saris game, everyone went, Oh, actually that Bordeaux result wasn't as bad as we thought. But we were caught off guard with how much how good they were. And now you see how they're doing in the league and you kind of go, Okay, there's context there. Leon were just bigger and stronger than us. Saris were bigger and stronger than us. And you know, it's it's that step up in size that I think is going to be the difference for Connacht. Uh, and I'd say actually for most of the Irish teams, you know, we get into Europe and it is just a it's a powerhouse game and we can't really compete, regardless of what sort of ammunition we put how uh, Pete Wilkins has tried to manipulate the team to be a little bit bigger than it has been in the past and how we wanted to play you saw against Leon until we managed to get our hands on the ball we were just overpowered and then when we did we were competitive so there's green shoots there At the end of the day getting into the Challenge Cup was probably a bonus we did a great result against a poor Bristol side Bristol fans near us and family of mine from over in Bristol are not happy with Pat Lamb so they uh they didn't really seem like they wanted to travel at all, even though they went quite strong. And it was a great, uplifting result for Connacht. There was a lot of good to take, maybe not visible to the outsiders looking on, but when you saw the game, you saw some of the way we defended against everything outside of the power game. I went, okay, Scott Fardy's defence is starting to take a little bit of shape. Give us some time, it's happening. Mark Sexton's attack is starting to take a bit of shape. Give it a bit of time, it's happening. I think John Muldoon's still kind of pushing, playing with what his best best uh, forward pack is and how to best compete given the fact that we're not as big as other teams and then I think Pete Wilkins has even though he was there in the coach ticket last year he's drastically changed the way we played we went from kicking the most and longest in the league last year to being the team that passes from the 10 outwards the most in the league this year so he, he is changing the way that we're playing and that's going to take some time probably a year too early for Connacht main goal for this year will be to get back into it and I think if we do get back into the Champions Cup next year we'll be able to build on the small green shoots we saw in this overall disappointing set of results never nice to lose the way we did the manner in which we did but we got that one uplifting one to hang on to and a couple of couple of elements like the the five tries against Saracens or even you know the fight we had when we got the ball against Leon there were bits there they just weren't great but when you look at the entire pool as a whole your Bordeaux they really put their hand up as a legitimate contender, they've surprised a few people, maybe, maybe not the Bordeaux fans, because they've got the the probably the starting nine, ten pairing for France uh for the six nations. So they put themselves up as a contender and I think people want to avoid them. Uh, what did you make of the pool? I was I from the outside looking in, I thought this was one that Connor could probably sneak out of because I didn't know if you know Bulls, Bordeaux, Leon, they were kind of the three that you didn't know a lot about. You know, we're Bordeaux going to give it a rattle. They haven't done in previous years. Leon never take Europe seriously, to be honest. And then the Bulls, you know, great in Pretoria. But after that, I wasn't sure. But I, as you said, that first game, Bordeaux, like, they just hit the ground running. And I think it was at Bristol they played the week after and smashed them at home then as well. And you just kind of noticed it's like, OK, they're a legitimate contender, as we kind of said. I was disappointed with Connacht for the first three games. I felt like, you know, you shouldn't, you, no matter what, you shouldn't concede 40 points at home in Europe. I know Bordeaux are very good, but we'll say the same thing about Ulster later on. Um, the Saracens game was a mix of very good and very bad. Like, there was some awful bad errors, but there was some, awful, some brilliant tries scored as well. And then the Leon game is the one that frustrated me, watching Connacht, because I felt like they could have won that and they could have got out of the pool then. But bounce back, bet Bristol and... Like just before we wrap things up with with yourself, Sam. Like they've pay, they'll take on Poe away from home. Um, Sam Whitelock's Poe, as you pointed out earlier on, not a very tough matchup. 
but again, kind of like last year, they're in this stage of the Challenge Cup where it's like, well, look at their side of the draw. There's pretty much, they can beat pretty much everyone. You know, it could be Benetton or Lions in the quarterfinal. Ospreys, Sale, um, the Sharks, okay, fair enough, and Cast. Like, they could give anyone a real rattle there in that side of the draw. Do you think that that'll be the focus or will it just stay with the league for now and just Europe is a is a plus point? I think Europe is a bonus regardless of Challenge Cup or uh, Champions Cup. I think we've got a team that could win, could win it out. You know, your hardest point is if you go through this, you probably have Benetton away and that's just this year going to be a really hard game. Uh, France away regardless. I don't care if it's Pau or if it's Montpellier, if it's Leon, whoever it is. France away is always, always a tough game for, for any Irish team, for any team travelling in Europe. Uh, you know, Powell is probably the nicest of the French away games you could get in Europe. So that that's there, but it's not it's not an easy thing at all. And I quite similarly to the idea of Ireland looking at you know a quarter final in four years' time. I don't like hedging your bets on knockout rugby. There's anything can go wrong in any day. We've seen like your know, Connacht in the past have had to field weakened teams because of illness, and that can happen the week before a game. So it's not worth your while putting all of it on if you continue to go through it. And as a bonus, you get to semi quarterfinals. Yeah, then you start really going for it. But I think that first and foremost this year, solidifying our position in the league in that, that fifth to eighth spot, making sure that we're a step above that nine, 10, 11 spots in the league, like we were last year. You know, we had a really, really good run to get into it last year after a terrible start. Like we were written off uh, on all the odds and we managed to get through it with six wins out of seven. You, know, you don't want to be relying on that every year. You want to just get there, get there in the manner in which you need to, which is you're winning two out of every three games, you know, a loss here or there is not going to be the worst thing. So I think they should focus on the league. I think that, you know, the, the next game is quite close proximity to Benetton away around Easter time, which for us is a really make or break game in the league. We need probably over five and a half, six wins out of the remaining is it nine games. And, you know, Benetton away is going to be probably the hardest of those. Uh, like the Leinster game at the end of the season is next impossible. It's always going to be a tough game. So, I would focus on the league and try and get your wins there. And if you go through in Europe and you build a squad because of that, that's brilliant and you create a really good atmosphere. But it, it has to be a bonus on top of your de- your bread and butter, which is the league. And there's probably the element of like Connor could send a rotated side because their depth is better than it's ever been. And we've said this kind of every year. They could send a rotated side to Poe and beat them. And the Lions could turn over Benetton on an off day for Benetton. And then home to the Lions, could do the same thing again, rotate slightly, could win that. And then if you're the European semi-final, then you can kind of go from there because that'll be another three to four weeks later. And like, that is the thing. Like you could be in plus territory and go and see how it unfolds. But as it is, I think it's been okay. I feel like just okay has been kind of the European campaign so far and it could get better, but maybe not. Now, we will have to get a little bit negative because Pool 2 saw Ulster, Pool 3 had Munster, Really don't look forward to talking about Munster, but unfortunately, I will have to at some point. Um, Pool 2 was topped by Toulouse. No surprises there. Followed by Harlequins, Bath, and then Racing 92. While Ulster head into the Challenge Cup with Cardiff Blues. Um, apologies, it is Cardiff Blues as long as I'm concerned. Um, finishing in last place. Peter, you've, you've been talking about Ulster for a lot longer than I have. And you probably would have been positive coming into this with the French sides at home. Probably would have looked at a home round of 16 clash, for example. But it feels like ultimately a very disappointing campaign. And now they're going to have to just find form just to not be eliminated from the Challenge Cup early on. 
Yeah, uh, what a difference a few a few weeks makes um, when you're an Ulster fan. It really it is a roller coaster, um, and it has been for the past number of seasons for Ulster. But this season in particular, there's been a couple of false dawns, uh, which always gets. Uh, it's that re- really painful thing of it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah, I've struggled with Ulster this season, and uh, of course, I'll always stick. Stick by the guys in the pitch, but um, after yesterday's performance in particular, you know, uh, supporting the, the supporting them <laughs> can be tricky, you know, uh, just in terms of the the way they're prepared to take the pitch. I, I'm not one for blaming individual players, and there's we'll come to more specifics in a second, but look, in terms of the campaign itself, again, a bit of a mixed bag. Um, there was Bath, um, that uh, defeat away to Bath, uh, it was Joe Cockenasiga, um scored a couple of times. Finn Russell showed why he's uh, why he's on the big bucks and uh, uh, a, a joy to watch. Uh, and, um, and we bounced back from that with a superb um, bonus point win over Racing at home. And um, I think that really enthused fans, you know, and the atmosphere just uh, had a bit of a spring in the step that week. And of course, um, it didn't last too long. But in that game, like we, we bossed everything, we bossed territory and possession. Um, Belfast used to be a bit of a fortress, a hard place to go. Um, but Racing didn't land the footstep inside the Ulster 22 for almost the first quarter of the game. Um, and yeah, we just, um, we outplayed them and overpowered them. So, um, yeah, and then we come to, uh, I'm not going to, into such detail in every game, but to lose again, it's one of those games you sit back and you can just applaud how good certain players are. I felt lucky to witness Dupont um, in in the flesh. And um, we started, the irony is we started quite confidently, but as I think as the guys in the pitch realised that like, we're not at this level, Dupont was just so slick. Uh, and everything that he did. Um, and again, it was one of those ones you just sit back and go, fair play. Um, we're, we're, we're not even approaching that level yet. But we come to that last last game, uh, which like I don't want a bit similar to yourself, Caelan. It's hard to talk about. Uh, it's still too raw. Um, but yeah, three three defeats in four games. So that's us out of the Champions Cup and we dropped down into the second tier challenge cup. Um whether that's a obviously it's a bad thing, you'd rather you'd rather not have to do that, but um we'll come to that I'm sure later on. But um yeah, there there's just again a huge gap between Ulster and, and some of the top sides in Europe. Harlequins are a good team, but they're not that good. I don't want to big them up too much. They're not that good. And we made them look really good. Um so look it's been it's been a really tough um uh, pool stage, but uh I'm more than used to it as an Ulster fan, to be honest. Now the interesting thing that's happening at the minute in Ulster, and I've been telling people this all season, is Dan McFarland is not the man for the job anymore. Like um, he, if it wasn't for the fact that he's contracted to the club, of course he'd be gone. But we're at the stage now where I think he has lost lost the team, lost lost the dressing room. To use a sporting cliche, whatever that means, <laughs> means that the guys in the pitch are not performing anywhere near their potential. So that's where we're at at the minute. Depressing, Caelan, but uh, 
and talking to a man who's who's in a similar uh, <laughs> mood to myself probably after the weekend. The only difference was I was actually in Cohen Park yesterday. At least London might have felt like the halfway across the world. <laughs> um, hope, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> I just want to touch on Ulster because obviously the the coaching question has been one that's been talked about a lot by yourselves and the Red Hand and even my own season previews I discussed it. But there also seems to be a bit of a an issue in, in tactically as well. I understand that's coaching, but you know, style of play, it's hard to know what exactly they're they're looking for. You know, they're they are the contingent look seven, eight, nine times better when they're in green than they do for Ulster, for example. And just like you don't like saying there's a lack of want with players because obviously they're trying, but certainly there's a demoralized sense to them. And if you concede over eighty points or over ninety points in the last two games of the pool stages, when you still had a legitimate chance of, of coming out second or third, considering fifteen points was what um was what got second place. There, there really does need to be further questions asked than just, you know, okay, we lost, why? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I'm one of these people, well, from an Ulster perspective, I look at the guys in the pitch and I see no lack of effort. Uh, I, I think they are putting in a shift and they're doing everything they can to uh, turn the tide. But, um, and even, you know, even the Champions Cup performances uh, against uh, Toulouse, like we were just outclassed, um, probably out-tacticked a bit. We actually have the capacity, like we beat Leinster, for example, but um, there are games where we can turn it on. But a couple of things I would point to um, when it comes to the, the head coach, which players has he improved? I can't think of many, really, that, Dan McFarlane has improved in recent years and certainly in the past couple of seasons. As you rightly point out, there's a number of guys playing for Ireland who play a lot better for Ireland than they do for Ulster. Ian Henderson, when he was at the World Cup, was quite interesting whenever he was talking to the press. He name-checked Andy Farrell a lot and even when asked about his club, asked about Ulster, didn't mention Dan McFarlane once. Guys at Ulster don't seem to particularly like him or get on with him. Dan McFarland is a good technical coach, but you need to be a good man-manager as well. You need to be able to bring people with you uh, and engage them and inspire them to play the rugby that you want to play. In terms of what they've been trying to do, we were promised this fast, attacking, expansive running rugby. Hasn't really happened. We haven't utilised our wingers. At times, we've reverted to the tried-and-tested line-out mole and burrow over the line, which... It's fine if it works, but teams have figured that out, and you know it's it's less effective than, than it was. So there's a it is controversial, and I know there's a lot of all the provinces are represented here tonight. I would say on paper, Ulster are probably the second best, have the second best starting fifteen of the provinces, but um, we're fast becoming the bottom province. So what does that say? And I, I, I and I'll answer my own rhetorical question by saying is that our coach is not doing a good enough job so that's that's where we're at from my perspective yeah and it's not a it's not a great state of affairs because ultimately no one wants to see it it is kind of expected probably in the circles that you keep and, and myself and, and anyone kind of in this you know this forum I suppose if we call it that we don't expect to see Dan McFarland there next year if if rumours are to be believed but ultimately you don't want to chalk this down to last season with a squad that would be one year older and would have to start again and you could be losing two years and especially with a group 
or a pool stage that like you know Quinn's Bath Racing Ulster they can all beat each other on their day there's no reason why you only win one of your your three games I think it's fair like you should be beating at least one of Quinn's or Bath's and that's the disappointing part Chrissy I'll come to you to talk about the group at large because Toulouse somehow number one season in the entirety of Europe despite this pool they only conceded six or nine points in four games which is phenomenal there was a bit of Jouet Jouet you know with Quinn's with Bath with Rassing as well ultimately very very exciting but maybe slightly disappointing especially for Rassing to come you know fourth and not really test much and Ulster to ultimately miss out yeah, that was uh, that that Racing Ulster game was was surprising because I'll be honest, I expect Racing to beat Ulster, um, and then they like came out and were just unreal and absolutely destroyed them, and they were miles better, the better team. And then when Toulouse arrived, uh, Dupont reminded me why I'm glad he's not in the Six Nations this year. It was that kind of how did they go from this one extreme to the other extreme with Ulster, um. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting pool. I think that one wasn't it. Yeah, it was. There is that element of, you know, again, kind of the word I said was everyone could beat everyone. Do you know? And like, yeah. that's where it's probably more disappointing for Ulster. And you know, the same will be said for Ulster when we get onto it as well in a few minutes. Because, you know, in a pool where everyone should beat everyone, you shouldn't be coming out with one win, especially for the provinces. And I suppose Sam, I might, I might just come to you really quickly on on pool two because. Toulouse, it feels like laid down a marker. It's hard to say anyone else did. Is that fair to say, do you think? Because Quinn's Bath Racing, like, did you see enough from them? Uh, no, I don't. I didn't. Don't think I saw enough from them. The one thing with like uh, Toulouse as well is they had the Ulster away, whereas Ulster were in in England twice, and they had two French teams at home. So I didn't. I didn't see enough from either of the two of them to really consider them contenders. I think there's probably about three, maybe four teams that put their hands up as contenders, and one or two teams that kind of might want to just take advantage if something slips up or if a team doesn't doesn't capitalize on there being a contender. But I was yeah, I was thinking to be honest, the it was Toulouse really that was stood out. And then I was a bit disappointed with the the Ulster performances away in England. I thought they probably should have showed a bit more of what they're capable of doing. A bit more of what they're capable of doing probably with the flavour of the month for Pool C as well, unfortunately. Um because it is Northampton who come out on top, followed by Exeter with Glasgow taking third, Munster, in the end, squeezing by by the skin of their teeth on nine points. Bayon will head into the Challenge Cup after a really impressive first ever campaign in the European top flight, with Toulon somehow, surprisingly, finishing in bottom spot. Munster's pool is, according to me, unfortunately, I couldn't get people on tonight. Um, and listen, I was in I was in Northampton, or I was in Holman last night for the Northampton game, and it's it is disappointing. I think we can kind of, you know, yeah, we can we can all agree on it, but it is kind of a case of what did Monster let slip? And I genuinely believe they let a top three or four seeding slip. You know, if if we're if we're getting down to brass tacks, like um, one second, like could they have got seventeen points out of this pool? They could have got nineteen points out of this pool. Like the the Bayonne game in round one. If they clicked at all, they'd probably have scored four tries because their attack and prowess has been what has pushed Munster onto this level in recent years. You know, they've scored tries for fun. They'd Exeter beaten with the try bonus point. And then, you know, that game went to pot. Obviously, they did a big win over in Toulon, which is great, but not backing up a, a week later. Like, yeah, they could have got four tries. They could have 
ran away with that Northampton game, you know, but Northampton are the team like that. They're not the team they were last year. They're not the team they were three or four years ago where they got hammered by everyone in Europe. They are a legitimate English contender, I think it's fair to say. I'm not sure how they'd cope if they went to France and had to play one of the big boys, but they are a decent side. And for Munster to to finish with just, what was it, nine points in the end in this pool, yeah, nine points from four games is it's ultimately not good enough. And, and Graham Roundtree used those words yesterday. He said it's, it's not good enough. Like defensively, an attack like to only concede ninety three points in four games isn't too bad. You'll get away with that most of the time. To only score ninety three points in four games isn't great. Like they played in two monsoons in Thomond Park, which is which is unlucky. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to put your finger on it in some ways. Like it's it's really a case of well, was injuries a factor? Kind of, kind of for that extra game because they were. They were pretty skint and they didn't retrust their bench because it was the, probably the first week of the injuries kicking in. But like, I think it's it's really power. I think that's where Munster are lacking. There is talks of signing a loose head prop, of signing a NIQ hooker, if if rumours are to be believed. I think that would add a bit of ballast. Guys who can go on a 50-30 split with Luckman or with Barron or whatever, or, you know, 60-20, instead of having guys like, and no disrespect to them, but guys like Owen Clark, Josh Richley, Good URC standard players, but when you look at the size that Bayonne and Northampton in particular were bringing off the bench versus what Munster brought off the bench, Brian Leeson is the most powerful forward that we brought off the bench. He's 19 years of age and he sat down, um, I don't know, was it Pearson or was it um, the number eight? I, I couldn't really see. It was a long way away from me, but, uh, number eight, Augustus. But like that's the most power that we have in reserve. And like ultimately, European rugby, I think you touched on a son. Power is going to be a factor, you know, like it, it eventually will. And so often we've seen Irish sides, you know, crumble at set piece at scrum or whatever. And like, that's where it kind of kicks in. I don't think scrum has been an issue too much in the last maybe six weeks since Europe kicked in. I think Ollie Yeager's done well on the tight end side. One or two egregious penalties yesterday. I think they could have went either way when it's, you know, as one team... Um, wheeling the scrummers and other team Burt went in you know things like that but it was just a really disappointing pool and like they beat Toulon great away from home great win they didn't back it up and like now you are looking at URC again and you're thinking kind of you know their next four games are very winnable games they've got to back it up they've got to get on a run of form and hope then that you know Sean Plain in exclusive in this podcast said he might be back for the end of the season August name and he could be back in say March is kind of what's expected. Hopefully they get him back. They're without a dog boat, they're without Dave Kakoin, another power forward. Um hopefully get Jimmy Barron back to have a little bit more experience and class and guile in, in the front row and kind of just hope for a little bit of injury free run because injury free run is is not what Munster have had, not in the absolute slightest. And you'd hope kind of like Ulster that it's it's not you know, it's not a um, a lost season because that is the concern, I think, amongst Munster fans that this season will just slip by, that they can't get cohesion, they can't get a run of games together. And like, even heading into the Six Nations period, they'll play, I think it is six games across the next seven weeks or something, including friendly. So I think they are going to really try and, you know, plug guys and, and get the reps in, kind of like what they did last November. And hopefully, hopefully it works. Peter, I might just come to you for pool three. 
um, which was, of course, again, Northampton, Exeter, Glasgow, Munster, Bayonne, then Toulon. I feel like this might have been the most enjoyable pool. I'm not just saying that because of how the, the Exeter-Glasgow game turned out and the, the chaos that ensued there. But like we look at Bayonne and what they've done, you know, a win and a draw in Europe. Northampton shocked everyone. Exeter played well. Munster and Toulon disappointed, which people would have thought they topped the pool. What what stands out to you from Pool Three? Was was it as enjoyable or one of the most enjoyable pools? Do you think it was dramatic? Certainly, I followed the the Munster game. I was watching that with close interest yesterday, and um, I again I'm not going to put a kill and rub it in, but. I thought 14 men, uh, do you know, for, for Northampton, I thought he's your way with it. And uh, collapsed and the same against Exeter, do you know, uh, where, uh, I mean, for a neutral, I'm not a neutral. I support Munster after Ulster, 100%, no doubt about that. But if you're looking at it slightly more objectively, those are good drama, do you know, dramatic games and um, might paying you to hear that but <laughs> no it, it was definitely yeah. like, I took a, a mild enjoyment out of beyond getting the draw simply because that's what European rugby is all about is yeah. a, a newcomer coming to the competition and getting a big result in yeah. one of the, the famous venues one of the top five venues in Europe so like yeah, yeah dramatic yeah. and enjoyable for the neutral absolutely yeah oh absolutely and and um yeah, so Bayonne are interesting one to watch, as you say. Like, love to see a slightly less lesser known team, um, come in and compete. Also, Toulon, like, I, I mean, you shall all remember Toulon became like the sort of Real Madrid or Man City back in the day. The Galacticos all went to Toulon, so I always watch their progress with closely, you know. And obviously, they're an entirely different club now with an entirely different makeup, but it's sort of like an old uh an old giant of rugby like that sort of creaking away still you know it's quite interesting to watch and um up until recently they had a, had a couple of big names still with them so there's uh yeah it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting team as well i enjoyed it i have to say i followed um it's hard to fit in all the rugby isn't it but i followed that group as quickly as i could and it did supply plenty of drama like so um, just not a, didn't always end with the with the correct outcome from an Irish rugby perspective did it no and, and I suppose you can kind of hold your hand up in a bit when you're wrong which don't do too often um, but <laughs> the format can be criticised but it's certainly meant for especially this weekend was just fantastic twists and turns and again friend of the pod rugby Kino, his permutations is a yearly tradition now at this stage for January it's fantastic to get involved in that and to kind of, it gives a bit of an NFL vibe or something about the late weekends where like so many games have something on the line and, and even more so. And it's, it is good to see. We'll, we'll finish up the pools with pool four. I don't think there was too much on the line coming into the weekend apart from, you know, just seeding, especially for Leinster. They did top what was billed as the pool of death, even if it might have lived up to it entirely. They were followed by the Stormers, La Rochelle and Leicester Tigers. Sale Sharks will enter the Challenge Cup, still yet to win. He, um, I don't think they've ever won a European uh, Heineken Cup knockout game, so that will be last a little bit longer. And Stade Francais will leave Europe altogether after a sixth place finish, which is disappointing. And I think that makes it was a three, three, two, two French teams bottom of their pool could have easily been three. Um, Chrissy, you're you're a designated Leinster fan and. 
I'm sure if we if you wanted to, you could talk about the Larishell win for half an hour, and they did get over that hump. And yes, there was sluggish performances, but to get that win, to get a second seed, which means a home run the home way to the final, if they get there, um, but not the home final this year, have to be thrilled. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll be honest, like coming into the La Rochelle game, I was like, we're going to lose. It's it's just, it's just going to happen. We we don't beat them. Um, so you can imagine my surprise and excitement, especially when it was like sealed. I know we were going to win anyway, but sealed by like a 60 metre penalty from Frawley. Um, so yeah, that was fantastic. Um, sale game, not great, but we won. That's the main thing. We got the bonus point. Um, I think the the stat Francais went exactly how I thought it would. They'd already like given up at that point. Um, so like when I was I went to that last week and it was just like, you know, it got boring <laughs> watching it. And then the the last game yesterday, like it was a bit like tight at the start, and then we clicked in and took over and it was just really good because even if they are starting sluggish or in like in the URC and in here they've had some games this this year where we've lost some and as a Leinster fan you know we're not very used to doing that except when it's important apparently but it's I think it's good to see them lose games and I also think it's good that we've in other games (laughs) yeah Oh, no, um, but yeah, and then we won ugly in other games, and that to me is is much better than us winning by forty points in every game. And I think it's just been so much better yeah. for us that way. And, and like ultimately, I think it was what was it a bonus point win over Leicester, but but certainly not that easy. Um, Larishell game, obviously, skin of the teeth, and. Um, the Pondy Stade Francais was was the other game, and yes, they won that at a canter, and it's easy to look at that and and bemoan things. But you do learn a lot more from squeaking out a win every once in a while. And like the yeah. Larishell game was probably, I mean, it feels like Leinster only have one game like that a season anymore. Like, but it's it's important to get the job done. They will play Leicester again at home, and I feel like they'll they'll walk through that. I don't think Leicester are on their level, but. I suppose, Sam, like this pool, it felt like they had contenders, but I'm not sure, again, if everyone delivered kind of similar to pool to pool two. Like, what was what was your takeaway from the supposed pool of death? Yeah, it's funny because you, you see the pool at the start, you see La Rochelle, Leinster and then Stormers, you know, maybe even Sailors with the power game that they supposedly have and then haven't really shown in the stad because they're going well in the league. You go, geez, then any one of them could have been contender, really. Uh, La Rochelle then started off Poorly two weeks in a row they lost and everyone went oh is this the end of the La Rochelle project and they, they managed to turn it around get big wins then uh, in at home against Leicester and then uh, away against Sale so they you know they look like they're, they're fine over that initial defeat of Leinster I don't think that the Leinster winning in La Rochelle or beating La Rochelle changes the way that Leinster view La Rochelle I think it's just one game I think that they could come up against La Rochelle any day of the week and that was a bounce of a ball like there was what seven points in the game you know that's one kick at the end of it I think I think it's still as hard a task to play La Rochelle in a knockout game as it was before even with how poorly they started this group I thought the group was interesting because they were kind of beating each other and the big contenders weren't maybe coming to the fore 
Uh, but there will be, yeah, there's three teams there getting through in Leinster, La Rochelle and Stormers that I think will all have eyes on going far in this tournament. You know, Stormers may be less so, but I actually think that they'll believe in themselves and they've also got the draw side of things because they're at home to La Rochelle and they can knock them down at home because traveling South Africa is always so difficult. They'll they'll definitely want to make a run of it. So they didn't all deliver, but I think that they did what they needed and that's all that a team really wants to do in the, the group stage of it. You just don't want, you want to get out pretty injury-free in a good ceiling and they've all done that. So I think they're happy out. I think La Rochelle kind of be cursing the the game today because they have to go away to Stormers now, which is just, you know, not something they wanted and they were already beaten there in the, the manner in which they were. So uh, the teams overall coming out of that group, the, it was probably the strongest group on paper. It didn't look like it at the time, but I still think that the, the likely winner probably comes out of that group or then maybe Bordeaux as well. And the quirk of it and this format, and we, we did see this every once in a while with the old format as well, it should be said, but we will have Leinster against Leicester in the round of 16 and the winner of that will play the winner of Stormers against La Rochelle which is remarkable to think so it's like only one team from Pool D or from Pool 4 I believe it's it's called can go all the way the only thing is Leinster's number 2 seed will have home advantage until the until the final if they get that far we'll look briefly at the, at the round of 16 way too far ahead to give any predictions or anything like that we wouldn't be that foolish around here uh, it starts with top seed Toulouse. They take on Racing 92. Uh, Leinster, they host Leicester Tigers for what will be the fourth meeting in three years, I believe. It'll be a rematch between Northampton Saints and Munster, this time in Franklin's Gardens. Bordeaux Begler will have another chance to to whip Saracens into shape again. They host them yet again. Harlequins will take on Glasgow. We have Leon travelling to the High Veld to take on the Vodacom Bulls. As we mentioned, the DHL Stormers. They will host La Rochelle and Extra Chiefs will host Bath as well. So a few, I think it's what, four rematches in there. Chrissy, I'll start with you. Leinster number two seed um, against Leicester Tigers. I think they've beaten a few times before. And, and Sam mentioned whether or not you know these sides have the power game to deal with Leinster at mm-hmm. home. Probably the Aviva, you would be backing them to to push on and, and to get into a quarterfinal at the very least from there. Yeah, I think so. At this point... Like I was a little bit wary of how yesterday's game would go, especially at the start. But I knew we'd be able to beat them. And I have no doubt that we'll beat them at home. I just don't, I can't see them like doing a shock. And I don't think Leinster will do like something stupid like they did last year and... Uh, not not uh, respect um their opponent as in that they did with Munster and didn't field a proper a proper team and got punished for it. You know, um Munster deserved to win that game by the way. And <laughs> you know, I think they will because they take Europe very seriously. They will always put the best team out for Europe and we've already seen that we can basically tear Leicester apart. You know, the commentary um as Wokel is guaranteeing the, the only good points a lot of the time they were saying about Leicester were things that they were doing illegally so they can't beat them on skill they have to revert to being illegal that's always a good sign for a team I think Absolutely. Um, We have Northampton against Munster that's the next Irish matchup that we have in there and to be quite honest I think this is probably one of the best case scenarios for Munster I think they may have looked into it Um. 
and they won't look into it if they win this because they would probably have to go to Pretoria, which is horrible. But I think taking on Northampton, it's an English side. They've no fear going to England. Um, there's that, first of all. It was a kick for ball on a bad night where we didn't really perform. You know, they'd be, they'd be going in to turn them over and you'd be hoping maybe they're not complacency for Northampton or their form could dip post Six Nations because I think the Premiership is is off for, for most of the Six Nations at the very least in a in a really weird format. That's that's a game that Munster will be will be licking their chops for. They'll hopefully get the likes of Stamen back, Timber Barron back, Michael will be back soon, you know, Conor Murray didn't feature, Peter Mann who went off injured, so on and so forth. So that is a good matchup. Now, if they win and they've taken on the Bulls or Leon. I like the Bulls, but I will not be rooting for the Bulls because no one wants to take on the Bulls in Pretoria at the moment. Still let, yet to lose with North Hemisphere side on home soil. So that one is, you know, Ale Leon, I suppose. Um, and then last but not least, I think there'll be a good travelling support in Northampton, supporting Munster, and that can make a bit of a difference. Didn't make a difference last night, but you would hope that that's where the intangibles kick in. Uh, Peter, I'll come to you next of the other ties. Toulouse, Racing, obviously Leinster, Leicester, Northampton, Munster, Bordeaux against Saracens again, Quinns, Glasgow, Bulls, Leon, Stormers, Larchelle, extra bat. There's a couple of, of juicy ones, a couple of juicy rematches. What stands out to you from that list? Yeah, well, I think just on the, I just want to go back to the Northampton Munster game. And I, as you know, I had to duck in and out of this uh, recording, but uh, I don't know how much you talk about Finn Smith. Um, very yeah. little. I probably should have mentioned him to be fair. Yeah, I, I just want to give him a shout out because he's unbelievable. Like, uh, so his kicking is just uh, faultless and uh, hit a drop goal and hit a penalty from. Um, it, just was, it was on yeah, just it was on the angle. Yeah, and it just started bucketing down at that stage. Had it or just um, I'm sure you you were uh, a victim of that as well, Caelan, but. Um, yeah, unbelievable player. So, look, uh, Northampton, as you're saying, you look through that list of teams, and there's not many good options. You know, not many teams you'd you'd really back yourself unless you're Leinster. Um, but Northampton's probably not a bad one. Saying that, you know, Courtney Laws was brilliant for them last night as well. Do you know, uh, the likes of Lewis Ludlam as well as their big um, ball carrier. But anyway, in terms of the other games, um. I think the um, Bordeaux be interesting against Saracens. I I don't know. It's a bit of a left field one, but um, I, I like your big man uh, Tamafuna. Um, I, I think he'll be interesting. They have a couple of Pongo players for Adam Coleman as well. I think is Bordeaux. Um, yeah. I, it's always it's always nice to see teams who wouldn't ordinarily get the chance to watch. Do you know, it's tough to, uh, as we all know here. Probably follow various sports, never mind rugby. So um, it's nice to maybe see these teams um, take to the pits that we wouldn't ordinarily get to see. Of course, La Rochelle uh, Bulls, uh, do you know that's a really, that'll be a really interesting one because we'll see La Rochelle Leinster then, you're saying. Is that right? They'll, yeah, so if they can overcome the Stormers in Cape Town, they will take on Leinster or Leicester. Um, right, yeah. And Leinster yeah. would have higher seeding out of those. Yeah, so that would be that would be really interesting. Is 
down at the the, the final there uh, last year, and um, I have to say, I had my Lara shelf like waving enthusiastically. <laughs> I did but, not. I was there. I did not have that. <laughs> it didn't go down well. Now I support. I said earlier, I support every other province except for Leinster. Whenever they they think they're going to win, I was surrounded by Leinster fans. And I probably nearly got beaten up, but I was, I think they assumed I was French, which probably saved me. But, um, it was away from the wee Lara shelf flag and no, no harm. It's just, I sort of, I'm sick of Leicester being too good. <laughs> better. Is that element to it as well? Oh, no. <laughs> I know. It's easier to like a, a non threatening team, do you know, someone who's never going to, well, in recent in recent history that hasn't been the case but um yeah I, uh, I i i would like to see i'd like to see to be fair i'd like to see leinster go quite far maybe just get picked at the post at the end of <laughs> ulster podcast host wants leinster heartbreak there's the right there <laughs> ready to go um i do appreciate like these only these matchups only finalize about a half an hour before we before we hit record so we're not fully familiar with them yet Sam, of, of any of the games we mentioned or didn't mention, what stands out to you? The two, same as Peter, to be honest. The the Stormers, La Rochelle, jumped out to me because I think that it, it'll dictate a lot of the way the rest of the, the competition goes. Leinster will want to avoid La Rochelle and it's best possible scenario for them to have to go away to Stormers, a team that have already beat them in South Africa this year. La Rochelle won't want to bounce back after the first two losses, so they'll want to really put one into the Stormers. Stormers will get a bounce if they beat La Rochelle and they'll go into Leinster going, well, we've beaten La Rochelle, we beat Leinster con- like, consistently. So now we'll go for that. So I think that the, the mindset there, if, if La Rochelle do go out, I think it'll give Leinster such a lease of life that they'll really want to push it. And then on the opposite end of the draw, you've got Bordeaux. Uh, Noel McNamara, coach of Bordeaux, it'd be lovely to see him win it. Just uh, It would do wonders for his CV and maybe entice him back into a role in Ireland uh, with, Mike Cat, you know, with Mike Cat going and then Goodman moving into the Irish setup. I think Leinster would be trying to push for that uh, appointment if possible. Uh, but yeah, that Bordeaux Saracens is the opposite end of the draw. So the winner of that could go the whole way and come up against potentially the the Leinster or La Rochelle or Stormers. I think that's going to go from that side of the draw. So I think it's really interesting seeding the way it has worked out. And I like that Stormers La Rochelle one because I think it dictates a lot of the way the other teams look at how, how their journey to the final really uh, because of how much of a hoodoo. La Rochelle, I, I believe, still have over Leinster. And just the idea of if Stormers can get the bounce of beating a La Rochelle, it could really put their backs up as well. And they actually, Stormers traveled quite well in this competition. You know, South African teams have, have a hard time traveling. But didn't they come, uh, I think I had it here. Yeah, they, they put it up to Leicester in the first game. They didn't win, but they put 26 points on it. And then they beat Sale away. Uh, like, or they beat, no, they were at home for Sale. Staff right? Staff and Sale away, yeah. So they've traveled well enough and they're used to that travel with the league and stuff. So, I think it could, you know, it could give them a bounce, which would be really, really interesting for the entire tournament. And if if we're going to bemoan Anthem, the fact that there'd be no semi-finals in South Africa could be a killer because you could have a scenario where the Stormers, say Leicester and the Stormers win those two round of 16 games, the Stormers could have the chance to be playing the Bulls in a semi-final. Now, maybe they change it for that, or maybe it would be the Bulls against La Rochelle. But like the fact that we can't get that in South Africa... Is is disappointing. I'm sure it'll be ironed out eventually. Maybe they'll change the semi final so it's not in a one week block. Maybe I don't know how they do it, but really hope that changes because we could be missing out on, on some great ties, especially when you you would tip the Bulls to beat Munster or Northampton Saints in in a home court final. 
I believe the, the South African Monster would have Bulls uh, if Monster go through and Bulls go through. Monster would have Bulls two weeks in a row, then league and uh, would, yeah. which would be, uh, that's a really tough one. You want to get the win right there. Uh, There'd be no training that week, just rest the legs because and rest the lungs the as lungs, much as yeah. possible. Um, we'll move on to the Challenge Cup now because there is two Irish teams in there. We have Gloucester against Zebra, Sharks against Cast, Benetton against the Lions. That one is on Connacht's side, the draw, so that's important to note. Claremont against the Cheetahs, Montpellier against Ulster, Ho against Connacht, Ospreys against Sale Sharks, possibly the pick of the bunch, and Edinburgh against Bayonne. Sam, we we mentioned briefly at the top of the show, but the Poe game is is really interesting for Connacht. And if they come out of that one, then you have, as we said, Benetton or the Lions. So, yeah, potentially a free roll of the dice there if if they want it. I think so. I think a trip to France is never easy, regardless of which French it's team. It could be a pro team. It's still a trip to France. It's not going to be easy. So kind of to look at that one like it's a bonus. And if they get through that, then I think they'll start to try and take it seriously. You'll say rotate a team. I think it'll be a mix, but... Pete Wilkins has also surprised us so often with the omission of players like Conor Oliver and Niall Murray and you know players we feel are part of the starting 15 haven't been mainstays of the starting 15 this year so some fans are getting their backs up saying oh they're they're rotating a bit heavily and actually he's he's quite consistent in the fact he's used the least amount in the league it's just not the players that we're used to under friends so it's a very interesting uh, situation here where you go you have Poe the week after Benetton which I think is still far more important uh, Benetton in the league is, is going to be quite make or break for us I think because of the, the last two games of the season uh, being interpros is really difficult so I would say what they'll do is they'll go to a, they probably won't have the big big guns like the, the Bundys and the, the Finley Bealums and you know if Max back but I think that they'll they'll make the best of it have a team that they reckon can win the game uh, a little bit of a mix, you know, you'll see Hawkshaw probably playing, hopefully Carl Ford's back by then. Uh, and, you know, hopefully JJ's not out considering he went off injured the last day. But I think they'll they'll give it a go. And then if they get through that, which is a bonus territory, I think then, then they'll start to concentrate on it and look at the opportunity to maybe have a run on it. Uh, but like I said, I just, I don't think you ever really go to France outside of being maybe Leinster with the idea that you're going to win. It's such a hard place to go regardless of who you're playing. Yeah, that's the thing. And if... Going to France needs to be talked about. It certainly needs to be talked about for Ulster because they will travel to Montpellier. So here we are. Just <laughs> what to, what to do without our host? What, what do you want to say? Get get whatever jibs and monster you want in now. Uh, and... <laughs> yes, we can speak freely finally. I said it to them anyway. I'm hearing vicious, vicious rumors that Munster is sniffing around Dermot Kilgallen, whose contract's up at the end of the season, which I'd be fucking raging about. What about the other rumor? I don't know if you heard on about. Um... I don't even know is it a rumour now, what do you call him, the second rule, Alton Dillon. 
Alden Delan, yeah, Munster are heavy on him. I've heard from a few people. Uh, so uh, when it comes to to Ulster's uh, Challenge Cup run uh, or potential run, I think there's two questions. Number one, can they can they beat Montpellier? That's the first one. And the second one is, does anyone really care? Do you know if they progress in the Challenge Cup? Um, now, I would love I would love it if we if we won it. Any silverware. Like I'm all for it, but um, I wouldn't be confident that we'd make it the whole way. And um, I suppose in some ways you may as well just go out now. So that sounds very defeatist, but um, that's that's sort of my attitude. I think I'm still reeling from yesterday's game, um, but that's it's put me in a very negative mindset. But I'm a bit like, oh, Challenge Cup. Um, saying that, look, if we do win it, it'll suddenly become the most important uh, trophy in the world and uh, I'll be very happy. In terms of Montpellier, I just want to talk about them briefly. It's a team, uh, I, again, quite like these French teams because they pick up the waifs and strays from, uh, in fact, that's maybe not fair, and some of the high-quality players that, they, that they've brought in. I just mean the sort of random players that you may be forgotten about. Sam Simmons um, is there and... Uh, uh, obviously a brilliant player, like really dynamic back row, um, one of these new breeds of forwards who can actually run really quickly and uh, and runs round players, not necessarily through them, but he can do that as well. Um, the other, Harry Williams, who played quite a lot for England, the prop, um, and Paolo Garbisi, um, good player, obviously, uh, Italy. And then... Um, the other one that was quite interesting is Ben Lamb, Pat Lamb's um, nephew plays for them as well uh, on the wing. So um, if nothing else, it'd be quite interesting to see how those guys are getting on. We haven't seen them uh, play in a while, some of them. And uh, uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be confident Ulster would beat anyone at the, at the, at the moment, but um, on their day, that's the thing, Ulster, on their day, they should be able to beat anyone. This is away against Montpellier. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be a material factor in, in um, our hopes and expectations of progressing. But as I say, do do we really care? Be grateful for your th- your thoughts. My thoughts on Ulster are, you know, they should be doing better than what they are. But I don't think that's something that we've we've shied away from either. Mm-hmm. You know, like Montpellier aside, they should be beaten. I think, but the fact that they're away from home is a bit of a leveler. But Montpellier just haven't been good this year. Have not been good at all. I think they are bottom of the top fourteen. Um, if if I remember correctly, with Leon second from bottom, so that's that's worth noting. And then if they get um, God, I can't, I can't even remember who I said. I have cleared there. Um, if they get Claremont again, I think they can take Claremont if they get that kind of run of games under their belt. But it's hard to know. Like as I said, URC is so tight at the moment. If they kind of come out of the Six Nations and they're they've fallen down the URC pecking order, then then you wonder where the focus should be because obviously it's I think we'll all we can all agree that this from now is when the URC becomes double importance because it's it's now that it starts chopping and changing and teams kind of make their their proper push. Um apologies if there's any kind of sound issues in that last segment because my wife I went, there's a storm going on, but the fact that we got through this far without any issues is a miracle, an absolute miracle, to be quite honest. But we will leave it at that. Um, thanks very much to everyone for coming on. So my thanks to Sam, to Chrissy, and to Peter for looking back on the pool stages and what was a disappointing one. I think just seven wins for the Irish provinces, four of which 
coming from Leinster and one each for the other three, which is bleak. Anyways, we'll stick to the positivity for now. Um, for those who like what you see or hear, my 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 life in rugby series continues this week as I chat to former Monster Centre Alex McHenry, who has a fantastic story about his career so far. It's still a young age, but also his time at the now defunct Jersey Reds and how quickly these careers can uh, can just come and just end, and these clubs can just go to nothing very very quickly. And of course, as I as I you know tipped at the start of the show, we'll have our extensive Six Nations coverage coming up in a few weeks with Sam and Chrissy and Peter will be sure to join us at some stage I'm sure I hope you all enjoy the podcast and thanks again to my three guests for coming on but as always thanks to everyone home for listening if you like what you see or hear please do subscribe but for now and until next time take it easy Sports Social Podcast Network